Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wombs and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of the Son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. Come on, amen. I'm going to call an altar call now. He's just preached. Come on, what a good video, huh? <clears throat> I just worship so much, I think I lost my voice. So forgive me. I don't know what happened. I came in here with a voice, and I'm going to leave without one. I'm not sure why, but I'm glad you can still hear me. If you can hear me in the back, say hello. hello. Oh, that's good. Come on, I'm Ryan. Good to meet you. I'd love to meet you afterwards in our Discover Room. And also, my wife and I are trying to hit the back door. So if you're heading out, if you're going to try to sneak out without meeting me, it's not going to happen. So, <clears throat> no, we're going to stand at the back door just there because we don't get a chance to say hi to everybody here. Some weeks, I'm like, hey, honey, was so-and-so there? She's like, they were there, Ronnie. I'm like, I didn't see them. And it's because I can't see you, but you can see me. So come on, turn to the person next to you and say, you look really good today. Bassie came up to me today, and she complimented my shirt. My wife ironed it this morning. I was going to take credit for that. Dang it. She walked up to me, and she said, Pastor Ryan, you look so nice today. And I thought, do I not look nice other days? It's just a shirt, Bassie. Come on. Just because I wear my uh, sweatpants to church doesn't mean I don't dress up nice. No, I'm just kidding. I've never worn sweatpants at church, and you shouldn't either. Amen. <clears throat> oh, come on. I'm going to start a five-week series today that I'm so excited about. I've wanted to do this, uh, this series for since the, the duration, the existence of our church, and um, we're just so excited, and here's why. <clears throat> we're going to do a series for the next five weeks on the book of Philippians, and what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through. Today, I'm going to do kind of an overview and just kind of give you the uh, uh, kind of a one-time shot on what to expect with this book, but uh, we, we're going to have the next four weeks focusing on some areas I'll let you know about uh, in a minute. But the reason I wanted to do this is because one of our values at our church, we have several values, and one of them, if you'll notice outside on that sign, is hashtag fun. Say hashtag fun. Hashtag Come on, we want to have fun. Come on, serving Jesus should be fun. The great thing about serving Jesus is that even when life sucks, it can be fun. The great thing about serving God is that even when we face the worst things on the planet, we still get filled with the joy of God. 
That's the wonderful thing about following Christ is that, yes, I feel sadness, and yes, I feel discouragement, and yes, at times I feel down, and yes, things hit me emotionally, but at the end of the day, I get to say, I follow Christ, therefore, I have joy. I can laugh when the devil tries to take me out. I can, I can laugh in the face of defeat because I know that my God has the victory. And so the great thing about uh, this series is that I'm not a comedian, and I'm not I'm not going to stand up and tell you jokes to make you laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh a couple times. Hopefully not just at me. Hopefully with me. Um, but, uh, you know, we want, we want to have fun in our church. We want to laugh. As followers of Jesus, we have the per- have permission to not allow anything to get us down. And again, I'm not talking about the emotion of, of downness, because I experience that every day, um, and I'm sure you do too, but we have the opportunity to experience hashtag fun all the time. And I, thank you, Andrew. And I just, I just am so excited. So we're going to have a great time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of the context of the Philippians today, and, and, um, and then we're going to just kind of get into some thoughts, kind of share with you a little bit about Paul. And, and what I'm going to actually share with you today, I believe, is the verse we're going to look at today is basically the, 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 if you're here today and you say, Ryan, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, today's verse is the, like, is the ultimate uh, expression of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's one of those statements that you can say that says, okay, this is how I know that you're a follower of Christ, or this is how I know that I'm a follower of Christ, is when this becomes a reality in my life. And so I I can't wait to share it with you. So we're we're just going to get into it a little bit. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a background uh, to Philippians. And so let's just give Harrison a hand. Harrison's preaching with me today. He's going to stick with me. We have no confidence monitor. That's why our band the whole time was looking back, because there's no confidence monitor back there, so they had no confidence. Uh, Bless them, Lord. They did a great job. Let's give our worship team a hand. We're just celebrating everybody. Come on. So Paul, Paul was this amazing guy who had a powerful encounter with God. He uh, was a, a man who was zealous for uh, religion. He was zealous. He was a Pharisee. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Jew. Uh, and he was like the chief, chief religious, uh, religious man. He was trained under a man named Gamaliel, and he was trained in all things of the Jewish law. So the Mosaic law, uh, Paul would say that he kept every single law in the Mosaic law and was the Pharisee of Pharisees, was the Jew of Jews, was the, the, the religious man of religious men. Like this guy was the epitome of what it looked like to be a religious follower of God. And he hated Christians. He hated Jesus. And he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not believe that Jesus was Lord. And so he opposed him. And he would basically go from synagogue to synagogue or or town to town or church to church. And he would rip people out of their homes and he would arrest them. And he would put them into a, a persecution because Paul, or Saul, I'm sorry, hated, hated, hated Christians. Well, one day he was headed down a road, as you probably know the story, and he was going with a letter from uh, the, the, the government to kind of go into Damascus and take out a bunch of Christians. And on his way there, he saw this bright light shone around him, and he had this experience with Jesus himself, had an experience with Jesus. And, and, and Saul was knocked on the ground, and he was blind. And he said, who are you? And he says, why? Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? And he said, I didn't know it was you, God. I didn't know it was you. I didn't know it was you, Lord. I'll stop. And so 
until he was blind for three days and he went into Damascus and a man named Ananias walked up to him, sent by God and Ananias was a little nervous because Paul was the, the Christian killer and he laid his hands on his forehead and he said, brother, brother Paul, which he called him brother from the very moment he saw him, he immediately embraced him into the community of God even though he was a murderer. He said, he said brother Paul, I was sent here by God to pray for you and you're gonna be an instrument in the hand of God and he laid his hands on him and it says scales fell from his eyes and he could see again and in that moment he was water baptized and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he, he, he got up and he ate and regained his strength and now he became this mighty, mighty man of God and as you see, almost every church that we experience today was, in, was started by Paul in some way, shape or form. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. So if you're here today and you say, Ryan, I, I oppose God or I don't want God. Listen, I don't, uh, I, I know God, I know he loves you, but I want you to know that though a man has a plan in his heart, God's purposes always prevail. So you might be running today, but I want you to know Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you. It doesn't matter if you've done terrible, atrocious things, deplorable things. We all have. Jesus is a redeemer and he has a plan for your life. And that's exactly what this man named Paul was he started these churches and he went from town to town and this church was the first church he started in Europe. It was his first time preaching in Europe and when Paul went into, uh, he traveled for 1,300 miles by foot uh, in two years. And he got to, to Philippi, which is modern day, like uh, 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 actually ruins in Greece right now. Uh, he got there to Philippi, and when he, when, he, when he arrived there, he went to look for the, the Jewish gathering, the Jewish synagogue, and he was told it was down by the water. And so he went down by the water, and there was this woman. He started talking about God to these people. He started talking about Jesus and said, hey, I'm looking for all the followers of Jesus. Is there any followers of Jesus in the city? And a girl named Lydia was overhearing Paul talk about God, and she was in, intrigued. And so she leaned in to hear the conversation and she gave her life to the Lord. That was his first convert in Philippi. He was talking to somebody else and she overheard this, this man sharing his faith at work one day. Hey man, you know, God's been changing my life. And Lydia over in the cubicle here, she walks over and says, what you talking about, Willis? Like, I want to know what's going on. Gives her life to the Lord. And so that's Lydia. And then, and, then, and then he goes into the town and he's walking along and there's this young girl. She was a psychic and she worked for this guy in the town who would, would tell people's fortunes and she walked behind Paul and she'd cry out loud, this guy is legit. He's talking about the almighty God, the creator God. His name is Jesus. This guy, Paul, is preaching the gospel. And finally, Paul got so irritated, he turned around and he looked at the girl in the eyes. And he said, demon, come out. And the girl had a demon in her and it came out of her at that moment and she gave her life to the Lord. That was second convert and then she got he got thrown in jail because the owner of this girl was upset so they threw her in jail and one night Paul is sitting in the middle of this jail at midnight he's in the deepest parts of the jail shackled hands and feet he's sitting there and he begins to sing this song out loud how great is our God starts singing these songs at midnight sing with me how great is our God and he's sitting there singing and all of a sudden an earthquake shook the jail and the jail doors go slam open and all the prisoners were now able to go free and the jailer took a sword to kill himself because he knew that he would be put to death because all of the, the prisoners would run away and Paul says no don't kill yourself I'm here we haven't left and that man gave his life to the Lord and the rest of his entire household and that's how the church of Philippi started so here we have a demon possessed girl Lydia a, a little eavesdropper hello and a jailer who tried to commit suicide 
This is the start of the church in Philippi. And here we have that later, a couple of years later, Paul was then arrested and he was now in jail because the Jews tried to catch him in wrong when they couldn't. They thought he was being blasphemous and claiming about this Jesus God. And we don't believe that Jesus is God. We don't believe he's the way. We believe there is a God, but Jesus isn't the way. And so they were opposing Paul. And Paul, Paul was then eventually thrown into jail for two years awaiting, his, uh, awaiting the verdict of of his trial, whether or not he was going to be executed or set free. And that, in that season of two years being jailed, never knowing any day that went by, never really knowing if this could be his last day, because execution was most likely what was going to happen to Paul. And so here, in this moment, when Paul was getting a death sentence, not sure, in the middle of prison, not sure what was going to go on, is when he leaned down and began to pen the letters to Philippi. A man named Epaphroditus came and helped Paul, and he brought gifts and from the church of Philippi. He brought gifts, and Epaphroditus got really sick, almost to the point of death. And so Paul, he almost died, and he was revived, and so Paul wanted to send Epaphroditus back to the church of Philippi, and as he was going back, he thought, okay, I'm going to write you a letter, and I'm going to send this letter with you to encourage the church that started with a demon-possessed girl, an eavesdropper, and a jailer who wanted to kill himself. I want to encourage you with what's going on in the body of Christ. Now, this letter he wrote was not a reprimand. It was not a correction. It was a letter to show the people Paul's saying, this is what's going on in my life. This is what God's been doing. This is what's happened in my journey of knowing God, from going from a murderer uh, person who, who was a God-hater to a person who'd been transformed by the redemption and the salvation of Jesus Christ. And now I've given my entire life to serve God. I'm sitting in jail. I don't know if I'm going to die tomorrow, but i got a pen in my hand, and I want to tell you what God's doing in my life. And so Epaphroditus took this letter, and he went back to... Philippi, and he took this, and the reality is, is that Paul, Paul is sitting here in prison. He went through some, I'm just going to throw this to you, Steph, it's going to fall. Nice catch, honey. Paul went through some really crazy things. Let's look at a verse. This is another book of the Bible, but I thought we could just read it, and I don't see it, so I'm going to turn around like this and read it. Just kidding. Can you put it on the screen for me, brother? Second Corinthians, there we go. You just follow me along, brother. All right. I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door, time after time, I've been flogged five times with Jews, 39 lashes, beaten by the Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once, and he got up and lived. They thought he was dead, dragged him out of the city. He got up and went back in and preached the gospel again. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for night and day, in hard traveling year in and year, in and year out. I've had ford rivers and fend off robbers and struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert, sun, sea, and storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many long and lonely nights without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And that's not half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches, and when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel desperate in my bones. And when someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. And I have to brag about myself. I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. The eternal and blessed God and Father of our Master knows I'm not lying. Remember the time I was in Damascus, remember guys? And the governor of King Aretas posted guards at the city gate to arrest me, and I had to crawl out through a window in the wall and was let down in a basket and had to run for my life. Paul has experienced some pretty crazy trials. 
He's experienced backstabbings and beatings and he's been put to death at point and came back from the dead and he's had people let him go and he's been without money and he's been with money and he's been broken and hurt. Paul is a good person to be talking about a life that's been, been wounded, a life that's been hurt, a life that's gone through all of the difficulties and challenges that you and I face in our world today. Paul can relate to you and me. Some of you have greater trauma and greater hardship and greater loss than I will ever understand and I realize that but I've also had my own too and we all here can say Ryan I relate to the idea that Paul has been through a lot of stuff and today he wants to teach you something about your walk with Christ he wants to teach you something very valuable very important that Paul wrote this while he was at the end of his life and the end of his journey and he was under attack by his competitors and he was sitting in jail and now he's realizing and facing Tremendously difficult circumstances, but somehow Paul learned the secret of being content. Somehow Paul, whether rich or poor, healthy or unhealthy, friends or no friends, up, down, left, right, knew the secret in the con- uh, of being content and joyful in every situation he faced. Something about Paul, and so we're going to take the next four weeks, and this is on the screen behind me, hopefully. And we're going to talk about these four things. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, choosing joy when hardships happen in your life or when hardships or circumstances happen. The next week, we'll talk about choosing joy when relationships fall apart. Next, we'll talk about choosing joy when I experience failure in my life. The last one we'll talk about is experiencing joy when I experience fear and anxiety. So let's get into our, our main text today. And this statement in Philippians 4.4 4, is and sums up the entire purpose of the book and it's kind of what Paul learned through the length of his life looking back saying I want to give you one thought here this is what is the most important thing in Philippians 4 4 rejoice in the Lord always I'm going to say it again rejoice let's read that together one two three rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice The message translation says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. The Phillips translation says, delight yourselves in God. Yes, find your joy in him at all times. Joy is not happiness. The word happiness invokes the idea of visions of unwrapping Christmas gifts on Christmas Day. Strolling hand in hand with your, uh, your newly fiancé. <laughs> Being surprised on your birthday or responding to the unbridled laughter of a comedian. <laughs> I know you guys are trying to unbridle it today, but uh, vacationing in an exotic locale and, and, and just that, the, the idea of this ex- the experience that I have, happiness is this goal and this objective that every single person in the room today is pursuing. I want to live a happy life. Come on, somebody. Everyone wants to be happy. But this idea of happiness is this elusive ideal that we have this lifelong pursuit that we spend our entire lives going after money and collecting things and searching for new experiences. But the reality is, is that the type of joy we're talking about today has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has nothing to do 
when the toys rust in your life and when the loved ones die and the health deteriorates and the money is stolen and the parties are over, that's when happiness flees and despair sets in. We can define a happiness as a, as a satisfaction or delight based on present circumstances. Happiness is related to happenings. Happiness is related to happenstance. The word hap there, the root word there, speaks to the idea of chance. Meaning that I hope that if I take this job and, and move my family to this place, even though I, I'm going to uproot my family for the sake of a bigger paycheck, I, I think that if I can do this, then I can buy that and I can go here, and then eventually we're going to be able to have that happiness that we want, that, that new car and that new house and that new thing and that, that, new, that new relationship. I know that if I, I, I think that if I hedge my bet correctly and if I plan appropriately, then I'm going to be able to get that place of pure, blissful happiness. And this idea of joy is so different than happiness. It runs deeper and it runs strong, stronger in our lives. It's a confident assurance that God's love is at work in our lives no matter what. It's a confident assurance that my God parted the Red Sea. That my God heals the sick and raises the dead. Then my God died on the cross and rose on the third day to give me access to heaven once again. That is the joy that we're talking about today. Happiness depends on happenings when joy depends on Jesus. Philippians 4.4 again, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. The word here for rejoice, Paul uses the word Cairo. Say Cairo. The word Cairo has so much depth to it, but if you look at the word uh, joy in the Bible, it generally has the Greek word kara, and the word kara would speak to the idea, it's like what you feel like when we were in worship today, and you had a great time in worship, and you begin to worship, and you begin to feel his presence, and whoo, come on, I love this presence. Yes, God, I feel you. That joy you feel is when God gives you the gift of joy, when, when you're going through a tough time, or, 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 or when, when you, you go to work one day, and God, you know, your boss comes to you and says, hey, great job, and you feel this joy of, yes, God, I served him and I loved him and, and now God I'm seeing a benefit to that there's joy in my life it's the joy kara is when God gives you joy but the word Cairo is very different the word Cairo is very very different and it speaks to the idea of of something completely different it speaks to the idea and the, the, the definitions behind me it says to be in a state of gladness to be in a state of happiness, to be in a state of well-being, a condition or a way of being happy or glad, this is a verb when kara is a noun. This, wor this word kairo is a verb meaning that it is something that we are doing. It's an action word. It, it means that when we say rejoice in the Lord, it's not saying, okay, I'm going to experience the joy of God. It's saying I'm going to choose to put my joy in God. There's a big difference. And I feel like there's a lot of people in our day and age with all of the different things that are going on in the world today that forget, they, they always want God to give them joy, which he does. The Holy Spirit gives you the gift of joy, but we often forget that there is a responsibility in our part to recognize where am I putting my, where am I looking for my joy? Where am I searching for my joy? What in my life do I put in a position that's going to give me the joy that only Jesus Christ can have and give? 
Where in my life am I allowing myself to invest into something that might bring me some happiness and it might bring me some fulfillment, but at the end of the day, if that person dies or that relationship falls apart, then so does my happiness and so does this joy. The joy I'm talking about today is a decision that you make to make Jesus the center of your world and the center of your life, knowing that no matter what happens in my world, nothing can shake me. I will remain firm because Jesus Christ is in my life. This joy is often goes deliberately against how we feel. This joy is, is not an emotion. This joy goes against, it's a personal decision. And I know you're thinking today because I struggled, I have to, I'm gonna make a little bit of a confession. I struggled with this sermon this week. And this is why I was not feeling very joyful this week. I get, I, I get the February sadness. Anybody else? I get in a funky funk, and I'll be a little honest with you. Funky funk in February, I get funky funky. <laughs> and so this is a year where I've just made a decision. This is not going to beat me. And it's just chemical. It's a chemical reaction to the stinking weather and all the stuff in the middle of the month. And I don't even know, come on, March, hallelujah. Yeah. Something about February. Some of you, I do a lot of connections with people. Oh, I'm so sad about this. I'm like, hey, it's February. Chill out. It's good. March 1st is coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> you watch. But I struggled with it this week because I thought, Ryan, it sounds like you're saying I can never be sad. It sounds like you're saying, like, if I lose someone, I'm not allowed, to be, not allowed to be depressed or sad or angry or frustrated. No, no, no. I don't mean that. I'm not saying that, 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 that you fake happiness. I'm not pay, saying that you put on a smile. I mean, can we really rejoice in the Lord always? That was my struggle. That's why I didn't write this sermon until the very last minute this week. <laughs> Because I thought, God, I don't feel this joy. It's because, Ryan, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not me all of a sudden smiling and laughing hysterically. It's a conscious decision to put my, 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 my confidence and my, my source of satisfaction in Christ alone and nothing else. It's a decision that nothing else will satisfy it doesn't measure by emotion. It measures by the ability to go through things knowing that my God will supply all my needs. <clears throat> to rejoice in the Lord does not mean that we'll never feel depressed or sad. Look at this verse in Psalms 143. This guy is having a hard day. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I'm going to die. Ever had that day? Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. For I am trusting you. He goes from being depressed to recognizing, i got to make a decision, Lord. Let your unfailing love, Lord, every morning, I'm going to trust in you. Yeah. Yeah. So lastly here, before I give you three thoughts, just three ideas of, of, of why we should choose to rejoice in the Lord. This joy is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Something that will never fail us something that will never falter, some, someone who will never leave us down, someone who will never leave us down and out, someone will never abandon us, he'll never hurt us, he'll never harm us, he'll never leave us bankrupt, he'll never leave us broken, he'll never do that. He's a whole, he, he's, he brings wholeness, he brings restoration, he brings life, he brings transformation. Every good and perfect gift that comes from above is, is from God, our Father. He is only a good God. He does not have a, a he's not a Jekyll and a Hyde. The Bible says in 1 John that, 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 that God has no darkness in him at all. 
And so our God, this, this Cairo in the Lord, this rejoice in the Lord, this I'm gonna be in a state of gladness. I'm not gonna have the emotion of gladness. I'm gonna choose to stay in a state of, of, of joy and gladness and I'm going to choose with my life that I will not get into any other place in my life. I will choose to stay right here. This one phrase, rejoice in the Lord always, articulates the entire Christian experience. So I want you to hear me today that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're finding your internal joy from something else other than Christ, I want you to go back to Christ this week and say, all right, Lord, I need to give up that job that I've been holding above you. I need to give up that relationship that I've been holding above you. I need to take that addiction that I just can't seem to break through and I need to submit it to you. God, I need to give you my, my, my need for control of my future and my fact that I, I love to go to a store and I can't help myself. I just want to spend money and I got to give that to you and I want to give my pornography addiction to you and I want to give my alcohol addiction to you and I want to give my relationship relationship addiction to you and I want to give that marriage idol where I just have to be married so badly and I put that above you God God nothing else matters but you Christ nothing everything else is like garbage like dung compared to knowing Christ Jesus my Lord because I know that he is the only thing in my life that will satisfy me fully that's why you're so discouraged all the time. That's why you're so frustrated with life is because you try to do it on your own and I try to do it on my own. And we find that at the end of the day, the only thing that I can find my joy in is in the Lord. Let me give you just three thoughts here and we'll end. Three things that Paul, the reason Paul could say this was because there were three things he realized. Number one is this. Rejoice in the Lord because... The Lord died to give you life here on earth and in the life to come. Joy, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you confess that Jesus Christ is God, the instant gift that he gives you is joy, love, peace, self-control, all of those things. But guess what else he does? He now gives you a new perspective on your life, a new vantage point. <laughs> you no longer get your butt kicked by this planet. <laughs> we are now victorious through Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. And so when you make Jesus your Lord of your life and you begin to submit your life to him and yield your life to him, guess what happens? You start to experience a joy that's undefinable when lo losing loved ones and you say, why do I, I'm sad, but why do I feel this, this confident trust? It's because you put your hope in Christ and Christ alone. He knew in this verse that, that Paul had, in this moment when he wrote this and penned this, he was facing death. He had some soul-searching time. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, I, For I fully expect, thank you, and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die. For to me, Living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn because of the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which is far better for me, but for your sake, it's better that I continue to live. Paul was in a season of his life where he, he was thinking about the end of his life and realizing that if I don't die to myself on this world, I'll never start really living I'm going to say that again because I need you to hear me. 
If I don't die to myself and give my life to Jesus, I will never start fully living the life that I was intended to live, the joyful, packed, full of faith life God called me to live until I fully die in this world. And Paul was having these moments when he was writing this, realizing that here he is awaiting his imprisonment, awaiting his execution. Here he is waiting to figure out if he's going to die. And he's thinking about life. And he's realizing this, man, you know what? What I've learned is the only thing I can put my joy in is the Lord. In fact, many say this, a person is not ready to live until they are first ready to die. When you talk to people who are on their deathbed, and if they, were, if they knew that they were going to be able to live beyond it, and they thought, man, this is the end for me, you'll find that most of those people have this new lease on life. I'm watching Survivor, hallelujah, Survivor. And there's one guy on there who just got voted off, so sorry. Um, but um, he, uh, he came back from cancer. And he talked about this new lease on life that, man, I almost died. I was on my deathbed, and now I want to take life to the fullest. It's like he's doing things he never thought he would do before. He's going places he never thought he would go before. He's loving his wife like he never thought he'd love his wife and his children. Why? Because he's got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose because my life is Christ and to live is, is Christ and to die is gain. When you die to yourself and the reality of your world, you realize this one thing. Man, I've already died. Now I get to live for Christ. And what Paul realized in this verse as he wrote this is that many of us in our lives spend our entire existence looking for a five. Okay, I'm going to work the job and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do the mutual fund, which is all good because I do all these things too. And I'm going to get the house and I'm going to have the 2.5 kids and a little cute dog. And, and I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to go on vacation and we're going to, you know, buy a, a, a lake property and do all these things. And those aren't bad because, you know, I, I live those things too. It's fine. But, but we can't, we have to realize that if our whole objective is 65 and then you get to 65 and you realize you're going to turn around and say, man, I wish I would have lived my life. And that's the best thing. People think that following Jesus Christ means that life's over. <laughs> People think that following Jesus Christ means, oh, I gotta, I gotta give up things I love. No, 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 you don't understand. The things that you once loved become distasteful to you. And now when you give your life to Jesus, what happens is, is you begin to experience life as you were created because guess what? He created you in the first place. And so Paul had this realization that all of my fear and all my anxiety I get to choose Jesus knowing that he gave me eternal life. And if I die, I'm going to spend an eternity with him anyway, so I'm going to go for it. Look at this verse in Philippians 3:11. I gave up those things that were so important to me for Christ. Even more than that, I think of everything I have is worth nothing. It's so much better to know Christ Jesus, my Lord. I've lost everything for him and I think of these things as worth nothing so that I can have Christ. Here's a second thought that Paul realized after his long years of serving the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord because he is in control of your life. Look at this in Philippians 3.1. Whatever happens, say whatever happens. My dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior and he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. 
Rejoicing in the Lord is an attitude of contentment knowing that no matter what I've experiencing or experienced in my life, God is in control. When I go on that relationship and it falls apart and I thought this was the one and it falls apart, I have to assume I probably had a part to play. I probably shouldn't have been so naggy, but whatever, I'm just kidding. Um, God is in control. That when you think that your finances are going to make it, and man, I thought this job was going to fulfill me, and I thought that I was going to get this client, I thought it was going to work out like that, God is in control. You are his son, and you are his daughter. He cares about you more than you do, so stop trying to care for yourself more than God does. He cares about you more than you do. God is in control. Look at this in Philippians 4.11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything, and I've learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, plenty or want, for I can do everything God asks me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. I want to know why Paul could say that? Because he knew God is in control. When I can barely feed myself and it goes a couple of days without food, God is in control. When I don't know where my mortgage payment's going to come from and I feel like I, don't know, I need to go get a job and I know, oh my gosh, God is in control. When I feel like I can't overcome this addiction, this difficulty in my life, guess what? God knows about that. God's in control. See, he knew God was in control. He knew that the secret of contentment in our lives is to trust in Jesus, knowing that if he is your responsibility, the creator of the universe is going to do, do a darn good job taking care of you because he created you and he cares for you and he has a desire to, to you to live a, an abundant life, a life abundant, not a life of Depression or discouragement, that happens. But he wants you to live a life knowing that God is in control. Here's the last thought here today, and then we'll end. Rejoice in the Lord because he has never and will never leave you nor forsake you. I have come to many places in my life where I've wondered, God, where are you? Anybody else? I've come to that place in my finances when at the age of 30, I had to file for bankruptcy and my house went to foreclosure. Those moments when I don't know what, what's going on, here I am a pastor and I'm like filing for bankruptcy? Or the time when my wife and I were, and I say this all the time, but ten year, you know, eight years ago, my wife was in a place where she could have divorced me because of my behavior in our relationship. The areas of sin that I was into. The moments I said, God, have you abandoned me? The moments when I've dealt with deep, deep, deep depression in my life so overwhelming that I don't even want to get out of bed, where I lay on the floor and look in the distance and I, my wife's wondered what's going on. Like, God, have you forsaken me? See, the reason that Paul could write this is because Paul has experienced every travesty of life. And he made this, this, this realization after many years of reflecting back on his life, he realized that, man, God has never and will never, ever forsake me. Look at this verse in Philippians chapter 419. And this same God who takes care of me, he will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. That word supply all your needs is the word to level up. It literally means to cram full. It means to fill up, to bring satisfaction, to bring fulfillment. That whenever you feel like in your life, God, you're going to leave me empty. No, that's not what God does. God never leaves you empty. 
He always fills you up. He always satisfies you. He always brings transformation. He always brings you to the place where you can be victorious and conquer the thing that you're facing in your life. Why? Because I've chosen to rejoice in the Lord. Because he's in control of my life. I want you to remember that God created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when the people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. And what he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them. And then he delivered their enemies to them. He unlocks the wombs and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho and he froze the sun, allowing victory. He toppled giants with tiny stones and he brought fire from heaven and he shut the mouths of lions and he preserved life in the belly of a whale and he fed thousands with only a few loaves and he gives the weak strength and he heals the sick and he made the blind see and the deaf hear and the mute speak and the lame walk and he overcomes evil and he has made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we will live with him forever and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever what are you afraid of his resume is flawless he controls everything and he loves you and that's why you can rejoice in the Lord because you've been trying to do this on your own for way too long and today it needs to stop because it's just gonna end in frustration and death and discouragement and sadness and Jesus has life for you today why don't you close your eyes? I want every eye closed in this place. I'm going to ask two questions here today. First one is for those in the room who are followers of Jesus Christ, those today who came to church and you're following Christ. With every eye closed, I want you to respond today because I believe that by your response, you're saying, okay, I'm ready to, to stop moving the direction I've been going. And I want to put my trust and my hope and my joy in the Lord. Come on, you're here today and you say, Ryan, that was for me today. Come on, I want to make a declaration of faith by raising my hand that I'm going to turn this around today, that God is here to give us the grace and the, the victory and the strength we need to put control into his hands. Come on, every eye closed. You're here today. See, Ryan, that's for me today. Come on, would you just put your hand in the air? Come on, let me see your hand. Come on, hands all across the room. Come on, Jesus, I just pray for these hands lifted today. Holy Spirit, right now you are the God who comes. And even right now you are here living within us. And you want to bring grace and mercy right now. I just pray for every hand that was lifted, Lord, hands all across this place. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would bring strength where there was no strength. You would bring peace where there was nothing but anxiety and fear, God. You would bring hope where there was loss and discouragement. Today, I pray for a freshness in their spirit and a freshness in their heart and a rejuvenation in their walk with you. And that today, God, you would come and do what you always do. You faithfully and patiently and willingly walk with us on this journey. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you minister to them? Come on, one more prayer today. If anyone in the room today came and is not a follower of Jesus Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never started this journey with him ever. 
And you'd like today to say, man, I'd like to start a journey with Jesus. I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers, but I'd like to start today. Come on, with every eye closed, you're here today. And you say, Ryan, I'd like to start a relationship with Christ today. I'd like to get this joy that you're talking about and live this life that you're talking about. On the count of three, I want you just to put your hand in the air really quick and then put it right back down. And I'm just going to pray just like I did. When you're here in the room and you want to give your life to Jesus, on the count of three, come on, three. Come on, don't be afraid. I won't pull you forward. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. Two, come on, this is your moment right now to start a journey with Jesus Christ. Come on, three, two, one. Come on, put your hand way high in the air so I can see. Come on, that's awesome. Come on, anybody else? Come on, two folks are raising their hand this morning. Come on, there's three. Come on. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. All right, church, why don't you pray with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I need you to come into my life. I really need you. I feel lost, confused, disconnected, far from you. And I know you're here today. So I want to give my life to you. Would you come into my life and transform my mind and my heart? I give myself to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.